doing welcome to another episode of the sound of the water podcast hope everyone is staying safe healthy and most importantly hope y'all staying hydrated for real um so one thing that i've gotten to the habit of doing lately is drinking water first thing in the morning when i wake up i started doing this because my mom said it's really healthy for you and just being the stubborn son that i am i wanted to fact check her and it actually turns out that she was she was very right about this so I did my research, um, and according to science, drinking water first thing in the morning has a variety of health benefits, mainly because our bodies wake up dehydrated. After a long night of sleep, our bodies will wake up naturally dehydrated, so the longer we wait to drink water in the morning, the longer it will take to remedy that dehydration. Additionally, drinking water in the morning will kickstart your metabolism and aid in the process of removing natural waste. So for those who like to empty out in the morning like me, that is very nice to hear. And lastly, many studies have shown that drinking water in the morning makes gut health, intestinal infections less likely to occur. So I know y'all probably love your coffee in the morning like me, but next time consider drinking some fresh Ozarka before you get your caffeine. With that being said, I'm David, your co-host, and I have with me my homeboy and my co-host, Josh. What's going on, man? How you doing? That's me. I don't think I'm ever going to get tired of that. I like, I like that little, <laughs> that little intro right there. That's uh, never changing. Yeah, I dig that Ozarka plug that you put right there, man. We, we got to get sponsored by them one day. Yo, I'm telling you, I've been, I've been like shouting at them on Instagram and stuff. And it's funny because uh, last week my dad went to Costco with my mom. And he's the type where he's like, when it comes to stuff like bottled water, he's like, just buy as much as you can to fit in the car. You know, so you don't have to keep going. <laughs> And, uh, I, I came home from Austin and I opened my garage and there's literally just like a wall of Ozarka bottles, just like in my garage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, uh, dude, that's good. So I'm trying to plug them, but I don't know. We'll see. He's on the train. Yeah. I think he's on board too, but, um, yeah, let's get this thing rolling, dude. Let's get it. Let's get it. Very, very excited for this one coming up. So I will do the honors. Yes. We've got Jackie Faye. She is an Asian female rapper and musician from Dallas, Texas. And she started making music as early as high school. And she debuted as Jackie Faye, but also Drippy J. <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. Let's go. And, uh, <laughs> yes, sir. So she, uh, she graduated with a bachelor's in computer science and business. And right now she works as a full-time strategy consultant, but you know, that's just to eat and pay the bills. And right now she's looking to take her music more seriously. So I'd say about two years ago where she, uh, yeah, she just wants to take it a uh, full-time, which I'm very excited to, uh, hear about and also just see your journey and your latest single Jackie was Jackie Faye adventures. Which is just like, I, I love that so much. That just brings back so many good memories. So welcome, Jackie. Welcome. Thanks. Uh, welcome. Shout out to y'all for that intro. But no, what, what's up, you guys? Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, um, we're excited to have you. Well, I would say, you know, I gave a little bit of an intro, but I want to hear, I want to hear your perspective on uh, how you've gotten to this point, because that's a pretty big step. I mean, it sounds like you were taking the 
dare I say, the traditional Asian good person <laughs> route. And now you're looking <laughs> to do your own music. So, so yeah. what's the deal? Well, first of all, like, I think everyone has to like balance the idea of like, okay, like I need security, I need to eat, I need to make my parents proud, especially as an Asian American versus like, what do mm-hmm. I really want? And what do mm-hmm. I really want to do? So I love music. I love music since I was a kid. I like making music. Like I like writing music. And so it just feels the most natural. To, it's what I want to be doing with my time. I don't want to be making decks and recommendations on how companies can <laughs> can make more cash. Um, I mean, spending eight hours a day. To, at the end of the day, though, like my bills are paid. I'm paying off my loans. I can pay my mom's phone bill, which is great. And I'm grateful hey. for it. But if, if that can be my plan B and I can afford to take the risk of like doing what I love, then, then why not? If it's just, if the only thing that it's going to cost me is people judging me or the fear or what, what have you, then I might as well do it. You know what I'm saying? Like people gotta, people gotta know about Jippy J. People gotta know about this, <laughs> <laughs> a young shoddy from Dallas trying to make it in music. So, mm. yeah. I feel that. So have your, uh, Have your parents been supportive of this decision? Yeah, I'd say for the most part, it was, I mean, it's still difficult to convince them. I think I actually don't know if my mom approves or not because I am able to support myself financially, even if she thought something like she wouldn't be able to be like, don't do this or don't do that. You know, Mm -hmm. so she kind of has, even if she did disapprove, she's just being supportive because she knows that, um, I'm going to do whatever I have to do at the end of the day. Yeah, <laughs> that's good, though, because I mean, a lot of a lot of that generation just don't really understand. David mm-hmm. and I have talked about this a lot, and mm-hmm. I think sometimes that's all you can kind of expect. You know, like they, I don't get it. But, you know, if you want to do you, then I'll support you. Yeah. I, yeah, I feel that. I think that they come from like a different mindset, too. Like, I know, Straight like up. my grandma, like was like she grew up during the Korean War um when she immigrated here like they thought uh, that another war was going to break out but turns out it was in Vietnam and so they did because they're like we don't want to go through that ever again like we're not we're not about to go through so I understand the need for like become a doctor become a lawyer become an engineer because I don't think that security was available to a majority of immigrants that come here I mean, unless they were talking about like the PhD Asians that came here, but I'm talking about, I'm talking about like, I'm talking about like the refugee Asians. Right, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Right, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a different breed. It's a, it's, there's two different branches, you know? Straight up. When I think about it like that, it's like, it's like uh, people in our generation, it's almost like a luxury to even have that choice to go to the creative space. Cause mm-hmm. like for my parents, when they talk about like what they wanted me to do, like that whole path, to like going to college, like going to like a nice big university, and then like getting a job at a company that takes care of you that's like their dream of just like you know you what it, it needs to make it. it yeah but for us we're just like okay like we've we've made it you know and um like it's not that it's not that great i mean it's just like yeah, I, I, you know it's like been, no i know what you mean it's definitely well first of all it's definitely you're right it is a privilege to be able to yeah. do or to be able to do something beyond surviving. I'm absolutely blessed that my grandparents and parents have worked hard enough to the point where I have options now to be able to say, okay, For real. I, I can do like music and hopefully be okay, knock on wood, I don't know, like job security is hard these days, but you know, yeah. like I can do it with a risk of homelessness perhaps, 
but the, that risk isn't as high for me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, because of my family situation. Whereas like if my mom or my grandma tried to do that when she was younger, like she, she totally would have been struggling to eat. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah, right. So you're right. I, I do feel that like it's, it's, it's a privilege for sure. Yeah. So you said, um, or in the intro, you mentioned how you liked making music since high school. Mm-hmm. Um, is this something you did throughout college? And then also, so it's kind of a twofold question. And then uh, when did it kind of like click in you, your mind where you were like, all right, you know, I'm just going to go for it. You know, I'm just going to like, it's no longer just, just a passion, but I want to make it like a career as well. Yeah. Okay. So I guess I'll, I'll start off with the high school stuff. Like I've always loved music um, since I was a kid. I've always been around it. Um, like my mom would always listen to music like Delilah. I don't know if you guys remember that channel. I think it's still around. No, 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 no. <laughs> smooth, smooth rock, like so- Delilah. I forgot what radio channel was, but whatever. And so she would have that on and she would listen to like Kenny G and like Luther Vandross and those types of people. And also like older, like, Kore- you know, like when you go to the Korean VHS stores yes. and you oh, buy like, wow, yeah, yeah. And then you, yeah. there's like a porn section in the back that they never let you. <laughs> and then, but she would get like the music bank, like stuff. Oh uh, yeah, that's, that's OG. Yeah, and so like I would watch that and be like, oh my god, like these are like Asian entertainers like doing their thing. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and then I started writing songs, and then in high school I would just write like poems almost. And then I would this is so embarrassing, but I used to be a really big fan of Sonoshida. And so like I was like in there, like in the forums and stuff. So I would write like fan <laughs> songs. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah, I would write like okay. fans. Yeah, don't judge me, but you know, they were they were popping. They they were a hit, you know. No, I could tell you something that I used to do when I was in middle school. I used to uh, I used to role play on uh, on different like anime forums and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like for Naruto. No, yeah, like but we created like our own little world and stuff, and then yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah exactly but the skills Those are the you build. Times. yeah exactly the skills you build you know what i mean i started writing my first songs then and then it was like there were raps in there too and then in college that sort of carried i never stopped writing music from then but i think in college because you start to find like your group of people you start to build your own community because also i'm from texas and i went to college on the west coast yeah. And West Coast Asians are like a different breed and the community is just very different over there. Like mm. you can almost exist in a world of just all Asian Americans, not even like Asian as we think about it, like with our family, but just like Asian Americans, like people who you can like learn about your culture with and from as mm. peers, totally different world. So because that community was there and I started to build my confidence in not just myself as as an Asian American woman, but like in my music, I started to get the guts to start like putting my music out there, which I think as an artist is a big deal because there, I'm pretty sure there are plenty of people out there writing music who love music. But that next step of like putting yourself out there, performing, um, putting something together and showing it to somebody, that, that also is like hmm. another part of the battle that I feel like takes I'm gonna risk it, you know, like fuck it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in college, because I had that community, because I had that support with from my friends, um, I started performing. I started entering like talent competitions. Hey. There was a competition called like USC A Pasta's Got Talent, you know, like the Asian org. <laughs> they got dumbfounded. 
he was judging and I I just performed like a remix to watch out by two chains which is like super dirty. I was talking about dicks, like bitches, like all the booty, like all sorts of stuff. But I performed my ass off. Yeah, I'll send you guys a video later. But then, yeah. yeah and then, oh yeah, please. Yeah, yeah. And then I was just up there, and I like got all dressed up and stuff. And it was my first time really performing in front of a crowd. At the end, he was like, "Honestly, like no cap. I'm not even trying to gas you. Like this is pretty good, and there's not many female rappers, Asian female rappers, doing this. This is something that you should think about. Wow. It was mm. really nice. And then I won that talent competition. And then wow. from there, wow. you sort of—it's almost like your confidence as an artist um, slowly grows. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that you need other people's validation uh, to be confident. Obviously not. But those sort of things helped me realize, like, hey, like if I just risk maybe the judgment of just like putting myself out there and risk mm. looking like a fool, like who knows, um, it'll either go really well or it'll go really bad, but I'll never know what really I can do, what my full potential is, if you will, unless I like actually mm-hmm. put myself out there and try. And it, it was something that I wanted badly enough to be able to like take that risk on a personal mm. level, if that makes sense. So yeah, it's just talent competitions. Then I released a song then um not many people listen to it, but i was like fuck it i still love doing it <laughs> yeah and then i just kept going and now i'm not like a professional i only have three songs out. I'm, i would still say i'm pretty green i'm just trying to take it one step at a time you know mm-hmm. so yeah well you got good vibes from you i like that thank you <laughs> yeah like, I, can, I can pick up what, what dumbfound is talking about you know hey that's yeah. a that's I appreciate pretty you big, guys. yeah that's a pretty big uh oh yeah big uh big thing you know like dumbfounded is not a small name at all no no i mean it was i was again i was lucky because the school had also just set up to where he just came and judged it mm-hmm. but it, it it was dope to be like to perform for somebody who's been in the game and who's like made sort of this trailblazing path as an asian american artist mm-hmm. not as a woman obviously but still and just being like hey i see you and you should do this I got a question for you when you said you said something like I wanted it bad enough or like I wanted Mm -hmm. to so I want to know why you want it because a lot of people they have different reasons they're like oh I hate I have Mm -hmm. having a full-time job or I need to express myself I got to change the world what is your it actually that's a really good question this answer perhaps changes a lot and I'm still finding the complete answer but the one thing I can think of is I love doing it and I love the person that I am when I'm doing it. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I love making music and I love that in the process of making music, I feel the most honest and connected with who I am. Any mm-hmm. sort of artistic expression requires, in my opinion, some sort of like self-awareness so that you're expressing what you're mm-hmm. feeling and who you are. And I think just like and maybe any other Asian American, but for me, especially, I've struggled with my identity. That is like the a next lot of, point I wanted to talk yeah, about. <laughs> identity struggles, rather, there's too many layers, like, you know, for me, like, as a woman, I'm also, like, you know, lesbian, there's all these, all these other layers, and so for music, it just feels so much less complicated, I can just do it, and it feels, like, right, you know, hmm. and I want to be that person, I want to be uh the very best no but i want to be like the best (laughs) (laughs) i want to be like the best version that i think of myself as in my head 
Do you know what I mean? And like, Mm -hmm. what does that really mean to me? Does that mean like the skills that I want and like uh, uh, the slow erosion that eventually will take place as I get older, as I begin to spend more time doing things? Do I want that erosion to take place in the corporate setting where you have to be a certain way to survive? Um, Or do I want that sort of process to take place on a path that I much rather prefer with a destination that I know feels right to me. I don't know if I answered your question, but um, basically I love doing it and I like the person I am when I'm doing it. And Mm -hmm. I think there needs to be more Asian American female artists out there, period. Um, Maybe not necessarily in hip hop or what have you, that depends, but I think there should be more Asian American women doing creative things. Mm -hmm. Um, Just to remind people that we're a part of the culture too and that this is our home too. Oh, tell them. Yeah, that was, that was good. That was a great answer. Shoot. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, uh, you know, buckets. <laughs> All right. So, how has it been having like trying to reconcile and build up confidence in your identity? Because you grew up an Asian woman in the South. Like, yeah, that, there ain't there ain't too many of those. And David and I, you know, we are familiar with the experiences of feeling yeah. like an outcast. And I think that when you when you live as a minority like that, there are so many moments that just kind of deteriorate that identity. And you like, sure. you're not you're not proud of being Asian. For sure. And so how did you go from presuming you had a similar experience like that? to now I saw like one of your music videos, you're like repping Yu-Gi-Oh shirts and like doing art. (laughs) (laughs) So like, like, I've seen that. Definitely. (laughs) I think, yeah, I think there's definitely, um, there's a bunch of factors that go into that. I mean, that that goes into also like, just like very foundational, like how do you build confidence in anything? To summarize, uh, cause there's a lot of points I want to touch there. To summarize, I think people think that confidence is like an innate thing that you have, um, which might be true. Like some people, it's like a talent. Like some people are raised, in, you know, in a more loving and secure home and some people aren't. So some people naturally start off at a point of like natural confidence. It's higher than others. But in my opinion, confidence is a skill. It's practiced. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if you're more confident or less confident than another person in the end. What matters is like the growth, the growing point of where you start and end. So just on a more, to answer like the confidence point, like I think anyone can build confidence with the right attitude and mindset. You're constantly practicing things like, like don't give a fuck about what people think if this is what I really think and like. If I know that I like it and somebody else tells me that they don't like it, then like fuck what they think. Like, But that's like a conscious effort that you have to make. You know what I mean? Little things like that to help you build it. To touch on the point that you talked about of like going from being an Asian in the South and feeling insecure. Like, absolutely. Like, being growing up Asian in the South <laughs> is rough. Dude, like, dead ass in high school, I used to always smile with my eyebrows, like, to my forehead like this. So that I could, so that it would seem like my eyes were bigger. Like, it was so, like, it's really yeah. embarrassing looking yeah, back. Right, you know right, what I mean? Right, like, yeah. little things like, oh, like, oh, that's so, like, I would judge other Asians being like, oh, that's so Asian. Like, I would never do that. <laughs> Almost like being Asian was like a bad thing, you know? Yeah. It's, and it's, it's this like anything else like you just want to fit in and you want to feel like you belong and I think especially as Asian Americans when we're already seen as like foreign people and foreigners how can an Asian person be a countryman like there's almost like a disconnect there I think as an Asian American no matter what 
uh, feeling more comfortable in your skin requires this understanding and this self-training of loving yourself for your differences. Community is really important. So whether you find that in church, like the right community for you, you know, not every Korean belongs in a church. That just tends to be where community is for some people. Yeah. And I think being around other Asians and like having that understanding without having to explain yourself constantly is really important. Like having the environment to be comfortable, whether that's family or community. And then also like stepping outside of the community, really figuring out how to love yourself for the differences uh, and the uniqueness that you bring to the larger world. Because mm, if, yeah. if, if, we're, we're, if we're all going to like, every single human experience, in my opinion, is like super unique. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. like, like there's no one person that has the exact same experience. I think the reason why we're also obsessed about like fitting in is because we want to feel connected and everyone doesn't like feeling lonely. Like feeling lonely sucks. That being said, like being unique is dope. Like there are obviously pros and cons to being really, really different, but standing out and being different is dope. Like if you think about any trailblazer, any person that initiated any sort of large change in this country, in any country, in human history was extremely different. For me, it really took me like, okay, I'm different as fuck. So I'm a dude. <laughs> I'm, you know, like, not like, not like I'm different from you bitches. Like, fuck you. No, it's not even that. Like, it's like, dude, like I'm actually different. Like I'm not, yeah. I don't have blonde hair. I don't have blue eyes. Yeah. No, like I'm different. And that's dope mm. because at the end of the day, you're asking me like, oh, like, what about these Asian food? What about the Chinatown in Richardson? Trying to get pieces of my culture in wherever you fit in. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. I bring flavor to the table because I am different. Yeah. And that's the hardest part. Yeah. No, that's that's great because we've had guests on this podcast talk about uh like very similarly how um you know, if you're going to do your own thing and like you need to have a lot of like moral courage and to understand like who you are and really not care about like not really care about what other people think. And I think that's something that is really needed with Asian Americans um who who go the traditional route and then find themselves like unhappy and yeah. then maybe will realize their passions a little later, like yeah. in their later, like twenties or like thirties. And then they're like, well, shoot, like, I, I don't know if I can make that leap now. It's not very practical. Right. Um, so, and another thing I want to touch on is the point you were making about, like, you really need like a community to, to feel like strong yeah. in and to like really feel confident in your identity. Um, like who is your community and like, what, is it, are they in Dallas? Um, how did you find them? Was it like difficult to find them? Like who was in that circle of yours? The interesting thing about community is that you can obviously join communities like church, but it's not necessarily, it doesn't have to be like this institutional, like organized community. I mean, you can also build right. your own community, right? Like right, community right. can be built. Obviously it's harder than to just join an existing one, mm -hmm. but um, community can be built. Uh, but for me specifically, I have multiple communities There's a lot of communities like my family there's 17 people in my family so i would consider that a community yeah i got a bit the, my, Whoa, my grandparents definitely, yeah. my grandparents went to work um, <laughs> man uh yeah so that's in dallas and then there's also like my college alumni group i was a part of different orgs like ksa um engineering orgs like i was i even joined like bsa it's really just finding, I, I found what I was interested in. So in college, I was interested 
and just being around other Asian people. So I joined cultural orgs <laughs> and now like I'm interested in music stuff. So I'm trying, I'm starting to build a music community like a production community. Even with you guys, you guys are two Asian Americans doing creative shit in Dallas and it's dope. Mm -hmm. And like, this is how you start building community. You just focus on what you wanna do and what you're interested in, whether it's dance, uh, crocheting, church, Pokemon, whatever. And you do it and you try to link up with other people who are interested in the same things and that's where it starts. Mm. Mm -hmm. I dig that. I think that like community is definitely important just because I think that it it validates people's people's beliefs and perspectives because mm -hmm. You know, back then, like think like 15 years ago, I mean, if you're into certain things and you can't find people that validate, like anime, like we, we talked right. about this so much, like anime was trash back then. Yeah. And then if, if everybody <laughs> like trashes on anime, you're like, oh man, like maybe this isn't cool. Like maybe I right. should. Mm -hmm. But now, you know, you can literally just go on Reddit and find like millions of other people that yeah. love anime. People, you're like, okay. People used to judge so, especially other Asian people. That's so like, true used to judge people for i mean anime and k-pop i would say mm. and now anime and k-pop are like going crazy like bts was on time fucking magazine that's insane like, to me. right like crazy. bts was at the un my god at the un they, they yeah. spoke at the un they're they've made what did so they have much to say i don't know <laughs> but they made so much money that the the amount of revenue that they generate is a percentage of korea's gdp did you know that, that shit is nuts what yeah and and yeah. isn't like the entertainment group that they belong to bts is the only group that is in the in that entertainment group and they recently went public in korea yeah they, they were did. valued at like 20 billion i gotta get fact check on that number but it was like billions of dollars which yeah. means bts alone is worth like billion like exactly 20 billion dollars or something like that it's, it's wild it's nuts like honestly i could write a whole thesis statement on BTS. <laughs> but the my, my point originally was like i don't know if you guys remember like tongbang shingi and like Oh, yeah. Shida and all these like those oh, yeah. people were like gods like they yeah. were mm. dead ass god like me in the united states like i was like a closeted k-pop lover because i was like this is True. lame like mm -hmm. like or like even anime like watching naruto like i was closeted about it because i was like oh this is lame like yeah. i'm already asian i don't want to let people know like how asian i am kind of thing i mean i think it's progress you know maybe and i think it, it just generally got more mainstream i think that's a, there's a whole nother layer as to like why anime is cool now straight up um, but yeah um, so I'm, I'm curious um where do you get your inspiration for your music style because um I, I haven't listened to Advent adventures of jackie Faye yet but i have mm -hmm. listened to uh uh wrong place or right place, wrong, right place time, wrong time which is like a little more mellow chill mm -hmm. um and then there's ling ling which is not yeah. mellow chill was, that goes, that when goes i first hard. heard ling ling i first listened to uh right place wrong time and then it switched to ling ling and i had to double check my i was like is this the same artist yeah and then i was like oh it is and then so, it was going hard so i was like whoa okay but two totally different vibes so i'm just curious like because earlier you're talking about like your mom listened to delilah radio and there was kind of like soft jazz like soft rock yeah like where do you get your yeah where do you gain your musical inspiration from great question because it's true like the vibes for the songs are totally different i have a lot of other ones that like vary a lot but that just goes to show like how also diverse my musical inspirations are you're right it's like the luther vandross the delilah radio there's a lot of kenny g um mm. but then i also had my sister who i don't know if you guys know about lake highlands but we're, we're from lake highlands 
Dallas, mm-hmm. which is like a very mm-hmm. specific area of like super rich people and the projects. Yeah. So she used to listen to a lot of like uh, UGK, Three Six Mafia, but like the chopped and screwed <laughs> version. Oh my god! But like specifically okay. the chopped and screwed version. Yeah, the chopped like, and screwed version. All yeah. right. And like Aaliyah, <laughs> yeah, like Drew Hill, like Boys to Men, mm-hmm. um, a lot of like old school 90s, 2000s R&B, a lot of Chingy. She loved Chingy. Chingy. <laughs> Do you guys remember Chingy? Yeah. Um, yes. young, so yeah I haven't young heard Chris that name Brown. in a while too. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, sometimes country, because um, I was on my country high, Western high school dance team josh i'm sure you know oh i was a desperado yeah. oh wait yeah yeah okay yeah so some country in there but yeah i mean but the 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 one thread i think all this has in common is is southern music southern music has really influenced uh, which makes sense because i'm from the south has like super influenced like my music so like erica badu who's from dallas mm-hmm. um i love her so much like i listen to her still like constantly i grew up listening to her um, so that right place, wrong time is uh, actually an Erica Badu inspired song. It was like free Erica Badu type beat on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And then I wrote to it and then made a song. And then um, other inspirations that I, I personally grew up with, like Two Chains, Lil Wayne, like tied all the sound, like these people yeah. um, really influenced my sound. So Ling Ling is a two chains inspired yeah (laughs) when i rap yeah and then when i was on the west coast for a little while it was a lot of like frank ocean a lot of ty dollar signs from steve lacy the internet and they listen they love snoop dogg like snoop dogg will never come on k104 on like as an og song like it would never do but on the west coast like snoop dogg was there like all the time so i just ended up listening to a lot of snoop dogg um inspiration wise there's there's a lot of things going on there but i would say mostly like southern music and then more recently a lot of like west coast music so do you feel like you've i would say found your sound or found your voice no i'm again i'm still pretty green as an artist so i've been experimenting with a lot of sounds that's why you have something like jackie Faye adventures which is more along the lines of like ling ling mm-hmm. and then you have something like right place wrong time or I'm experimenting with how my voice sound, uh, sounds, how my voice sounds, how my voice resonates with certain beats and instrumentals, more guitar-y, more piano-y. Like I've been experimenting because I don't have a sound yet and I'm not where I want to be as like a full grown artist. You know, I'm still mm-hmm. like at a, at a Pichu stage in my <laughs> evolution of music, if you will. Yeah. Right, um, right. I think there's a beauty to creative expression, though, because you have the flexibility, at least at this point, to dabble in all those different things. Like, I think a little while back, there was more there was more of a pressure to to fit into certain boxes. And if you deviated away from that sound that people expected, then they were like, yo, what are you doing? But we had so many people starting to break genres, like even just like when I think of Kid Cudi, like when Kid Mm -hmm. Cudi, like started breaking through hip hop was like, yo, I'm going to. I'm gonna hum like mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. we're like okay yo I'm kind of vibing with this and then yeah. like and then now you have like nowadays like people mixing like I would say like lo-fi with hip-hop and rock yeah and like also with like I don't know there's just like so many different things that people are doing that I think it's almost like a reflection of humanity that we we don't necessarily fit it into is. like these these little boxes like oh I'm a rock artist it's like yeah you know, 
maybe I can dabble in a little bit of this and a little bit of this. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm a millennial. I don't do labels. Um, Ooh, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, but I, actually, I don't know. Maybe I'm Gen Z. But anyway, aside, aside. Yeah, I, I feel you. I think I totally agree that music and art in general tends to reflect where humanity is at a certain point of time. It's almost like an emotional capturing of human expression at a certain point in time. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, like hopefully my music isn't just doing music for the sake of being a part of a genre because then that's kind of like you know like cool I'm doing it but what am I really adding to the culture like what am I really giving back Um, what am I really innovating on which is the core foundation of American music as we progress and as human beings evolve and like just live longer the times change and the need for certain genres uh, don't exist anymore that demand isn't there anymore because that experience isn't experienced anymore you know what I mean so I think the more people resonate with certain sounds you can tell that the more people are feeling a certain way or experiencing certain things are more connected to certain genres or different mixes of genres or just different emotions because like we are experiencing things no one has ever really experienced in the history of humanity before social media like that's never existed the internet and right now we're in the middle of a fucking pandemic, like, <laughs> and we have like a, you know what I mean? Like, it's a very unprecedented time, not just in like American history, but in like human history. So um, I think it's really interesting music from a musical standpoint, like where that'll take us. So you're talking about hip hop as a black dominated industry, obviously. And it's also a male dominated yeah. industry. And yes. you're trying to enter as an Asian female who is also a lesbian. So I think that, you know, we were talking about all these like genre bending and like not fitting in the boxes, but there are certain labels, you know, attached to you. You're going to be Asian, female and gay getting into a black male dominated industry. So I I want to hear kind of like, what are some of your thoughts about that? Some Mm -hmm. of the challenges you might face. And then also you talked about having like a voice, like what am I contributing to the industry. I want to hear what you're contributing. What what makes you different? So there's a lot of questions in there, but I'm glad you asked it. I'm glad you <laughs> I asked need it your name. I need um, you to answer all of them. Why are you? <laughs> no, that's a really good question. Um, so first of all, I just want to say hip hop is black, like just straight up, like most American music, we think about like jazz, rock, country, blues, like all of them started with black people. So give credit where credit is due. And it was because historically, from like a historical standpoint, because of like all the bullshit that black people just had to go through, through this country. And like music was like one of the, I mean, music is a coping mechanism for everyone. It was one Mm -hmm. of the largest outlets with like black ownership, black control um, in terms of an industry capitalist kind of standpoint. Um, I think I need to fact check on that, but I'm we, we all know that I hip-hop it, is yeah. black yeah, yeah we we'll everyone knows so yeah well fast forward to now when hip-hop is like literally the largest genre in the world as a result of just typical american probably exploitation but also it's just resonant it connects with so many people perhaps because we're all living in this like contemporary capitalist racialized world like that experience of feeling like left out by whatever system and then like talking about it and like the really violent and gruesome aspects of modern living is like very much integrated with hip-hop so being a part of that as an asian artist 
let me just say that it doesn't mean that hip hop has to be black. I don't know if that is the right way because obviously there's other people that are as a part of the culture, but mm -hmm. there needs to be a level of respect and understanding that that's where it comes from at the very least. And that if at the foundation of hip hop is a genuine and realistic and like just positive uh, conversion of pain into like something, then we have to be respectful of the origin and also not just take from that standard, but like give something back to it. Meaning obviously hip hop now isn't just black, right? Like there was Eminem, there's Matt Miller. There's like a whole bunch of other also like problematic people like Lil Pump, but there's a difference <laughs> in my opinion between like Lil Pump and Mac Miller. But no, like seriously, like the, you can feel the difference yeah. Um, between 100%. somebody like Iggy Azalea and like Jojo. Oh, okay. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. you can feel the difference because I think there's a level of respect yeah. and acknowledgement of where certain things come from and a level of also like exploitation and self-interest. Yeah, um, you, can, you can feel out the blasphemy in hip hop. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's, it's so blasphemous. And like, and, I'm, I'm such a hip hop head. Like when I hear like low pump i'm just like oh my goodness you know yeah. like the old head in me starts coming i'm like dude this ain't hip hop. Yeah. like what but, and then the, and then there's also like the whole like old or like hip-hop hip like hip-hop should be this hip-hop mm -hmm. should be that and also hip-hop has evolved like significantly yeah. mm -hmm. since the fucking i don't know what is it 80s because it was usually it was originally in new york now like there's different flavors there's southern hip-hop there's west coast hip-hop a very clear difference between tupac and three six you know and then even from there which is all the same lines of like trap, rap, hip hop, like NWA, UGK, all those groups all the way to now where you have like Lil Peep, which is like emo mm -hmm. kind of thing all the way to like Young Thug, Sing Song Trap. And then you also have like, just like hardcore rappers and you have like, like there's so many different, like it almost like branched out into this tree. And now we're like at the leaves and like the essential root of it was what it was before. But I kind of went on a tangent but like how I feel about being an Asian woman is that this is kind of uh, something that I love, something that I genuinely grew up with, um, that I was surrounded with culturally. Um, obviously I'm not black and I will never try to be something that I'm not. My expression and my connection to hip hop is something that I love and something that when I express myself through, this is just what I feel most connected with, if that makes sense, artistically, musically. And so what I want to do with my music, again, too, is think about as I'm creating these things, as I'm creating these sounds musically, where what are my inspirations? My inspirations are Eric Badu, Southern hip hop, all these other stuff. That's my input. But for my output, I can't just like create what everyone else is creating for the sake of creating it and just for the sake of doing it. like, what am I adding to the culture? What am I bringing to the table? Am I actually putting out Jackie Faye, am I actually putting out like some sort of innovation, some sort of twist, some sort of creative original thought with my art? Or am I just replicating the same shit that's out there for the sake of my own self-benefit? Like, no, no, we, there's, <laughs> there's enough of that going on. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, 100%. And I think that's why it's like dominated. Um, but I think that's for good reason. In terms of the male stuff, if, if we take away the racial lens, which is kind of, it's not like mutually exclusive, but right. now is the, yeah, as a woman, as a woman, and even as a gay woman, now is the best time 
to be a woman in hip hop. Like we're killing it right now. <laughs> like we, we really are like women in hip hop, women in rap, I think just because of just progress made in America as a whole, it's really allowed space for women. Like back in the day, we only had Nikki. I mean, obviously there were OGs like Missy, Queen Latifah, all this other stuff. But now like in terms of commercial consumption, we have Nikki, we have Cardi, we have Megan, we have Mulatto, we have freaking Blatina. We have like, we have so many women in hip hop. And I think from a gender and from a sex standpoint, like it's still not where it needs to be, but it's better, better than ever. Like women ha- also have the financial ability to consume whatever music they want. And there's more of a demand for women in hip hop. So yes, I personally have demand for more women in women hip hop. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, like when, yeah. I, when I hear a hard verse by like a female in hip hop, I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is the, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. <laughs> like I remember, um, this one specific verse uh that i think of is on um is on nerds uh is it nerd or just n-e-r-d or whatever lemon you know the oh the that's rihanna yeah. Rihanna's yeah, verse. With yeah rihanna yeah. yo rihanna's verse is so hard like yeah, I think it is. that was one of the hardest verses of the year and that song is really know. good yeah it would just I, I i definitely agree i think that we need we need more of it and i'm i'm happy that the industry is like giving a space for right. it and I think almost part of it is like they're pressured to not in like a malicious like way but because the people are demanding it right exactly yeah. there's more of a real demand and I, I mean don't get me wrong there's still a long way to go it's still difficult for me especially as an Asian woman like we said to get myself out there especially as a lesbian um but it's the best time like it's better than like what 20 years ago there's still a lot of what sells right now is a lot of like sex which i mean that's always the case and i don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing too there's there's a sort of like sexual liberation for women that a song like wap has done that i think is really positive but there's a con to it because if there's an expectation that you have to be sexy to sell um where somebody like rhapsody who's been in the game for a very long time so good i love rhapsody right also also a female rapper Things or Tierra Whack, even, you know, um, No mm. Name, like all these other female rappers who are amazing, who don't necessarily mm. sell as much, but it doesn't mean that their music isn't any less needed. I think there can be progress made there, but that just depends on the people, that depends on the industry, that depends on a whole bunch of other shit. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any? So I think that's an interesting point you brought up about like how sometimes when women use like sexuality or just like sex appeal to an, a, it's so heavily associated with their music. I think that's actually a lot of the backlash that I've heard towards women rappers who are like so vocal about like women's rights and not being objectified. But then just to use your example, like Cardi drops a song like WAP. Yeah. And that's the most sexualized, probably most objectifying song ever created from a lot of people's perspectives. Yeah. How would you defend like that kind of criticism? Okay. I will fight. I will fight for, I will defend the shit out of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, because, okay, so, uh, and the thing is, like, I'm not as, like, well-versed or educated in the in the subjects of, like, in the facts and the definitions and stuff. But I will just tell you how I feel. Just let us know how you feel. Yeah, yeah just I'm just going to tell you how you f- I, I feel as a woman. Like, Chris Brown and Young Thug, um, two very problematic people, but amazing artists, dropped an album called Slime and Bee 
totally completely about sex completely like talking about dick in my eye fuck these bitches in the coop like typical shit do you know what i mean like typical wait hold up in the eye <laughs> no it was like uh it was like she don't it she gonna put a dick by her eye it was something like that it was something funny <laughs> it was something funny you know just something dumb but th- th- again that scene is funny whereas something like wop is seen as objectification and not funny do you know what i mean mm-hmm. like um WAP isn't meant for the audience is not meant for men it's meant for women who want to feel powerful in their sexuality and I think uh, or it's meant for women not necessarily women who want to feel powerful in the subject and I understand like it 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 can it can give off a vibe of like oh I'm objectifying myself but in my opinion, how I see and how I felt when I watched it, it was, oh my God, these two women are embracing their sexuality, which is so often denied to women. We tell women to be prude, but then sometimes they're too prude and they're not sexual enough. But then when they're sexual, they're too sexual. And it's like, Mm -hmm. calm down. But it's like, like, why why should a woman um like where where what is right for women in terms of her sexuality mm. and that song what that song is doing at least from how i see it is they're not even giving a fuck about any of those expectations they're just saying this is my sexuality and this is what i do with it and that ownership that ownership is incredibly mm. liberating mm. that ownership of being like this is my wet ass pussy and it's almost like this like declaration of self-love and also mm. of like pride and power um, which is why it feels incredibly powerful. That that's actually the part I'd like to challenge you on, because because I've thought about these things, and and I feel what you're saying, but I also can't help but think of the inevitable backlash and the I wouldn't even say backlash in the sense of like public disapproval, but in the mm-hmm. sense of negative, like negatively affecting people's psyches in that way. Because because like to me, how I would say or like build my case is like mm-hmm. I don't I don't like what Chris Brown and Young Thug did either like <laughs> I think yeah. yeah so like I think that I, I think that as as like creatives but also leaders like we have a responsibility mm. to lead people in the right direction but it's just a matter of like what people think is the right direction okay so yeah I mean not that everyone has to like what Slime and B which I love that album but you're right like that doesn't necessarily have to be right either but my point in pointing that out is more so about this is kind of a double standard do you know what i mean like i feel men, that yeah, yeah i like can, I can men, see that what i'm saying is like men can are more allowed to be sexual like if anything like middle schoolers do penises all the time like do you know what i'm saying but you don't see people drawing <laughs> pussy on the wall maybe it's because it's more complicated i don't know like it's penises like, yeah, are actually, easier to draw yeah than vagina I, know, yeah. I, I speak that from an artist's perspective right exactly from an artist's perspective but like like men are men are um just more often in my in my experience more allowed to be sexual and to to talk Mm. about sex and Mm -hmm. to talk about like hey like i just fucked this girl last night and you go blah blah, blah. like they're just more allowed to discuss those things whereas as opposed to a woman who yeah when a woman discusses those things in the same attitude and the same attitude of like yeah I just hit, you know, I just fucked this dude with my WAP, like, instead of like, oh, I just fucked this girl with my big dick, like, it's so much more criticized, it's like, you're objectifying yourself, you're a leader, but like, are we saying those same things for them, and 
even if you don't agree, like you have to acknowledge that there is a difference in the reaction, which says something about how women are constantly judged, criticized and held to a, a different standard than men who are allowed this freedom. And objectively, even if you didn't agree with the sexualization, it's a whole different discussion. I don't think, you know, they're talking about their fucking pussy, like, like whatever, you know what I'm saying? Um, I think I, in general though, I do, and we can disagree about this for sure, and I'm sure we do, but I think it was a positive direction for the culture. I don't think there's been a song like that in that way, like in a long, in forever, other than maybe like my neck, my back, lick my pussy and my crack. Do you remember that song? <laughs> No, I haven't heard that. I actually so, don't. Uh, <laughs> you don't know that song? Okay, heard that right. one? Yeah, that was um, a trip. Yeah, a lot of the backlash was for men, though. Y'all were talking a lot of shit about that song, but I was just like, bro, like, <laughs> it. What? It's not for men. I will say that it's for people like me. Yeah, I can definitely see what you're saying though with the double standard, because I recognize that even as you were talking about it, because once you brought up like that album by the men mm-hmm. and like the like rhetoric that they have and stuff. I'm like, yeah, you're right. right. I'm a lot more like, okay with that because it's like, it's been kind of established as a norm. And right. perhaps mm-hmm. like, it's just because like the, the new female aspect of it is so new. Right. And who knows? like maybe people were reacting to that in the very beginning with like male hip hop too. They were like, dude, right. this is like, this isn't good. You need uh. to go back to, to run DMC in the club. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah any anything new can be uncomfortable um but it can also create like a huge opportunity for change you know what i'm saying but i feel that and the fact that you can acknowledge that is dope josh so i respect it why thank you i respect you know the sound of the sound of water which sound of water (laughs) (laughs) all right well we talked about this a little bit before but Mm -hmm. i'm very interested in your like kind of like perspective on religion and like Mm -hmm like belief and stuff like that because obviously you're gonna have a unique perspective growing up you know with your specific cultural upbringing in the south which is the bible belt Mm -hmm. and then also that you're gay you're a lesbian so like how how has that been i know we talked just a little bit about it how you were raised in like a christian household but like you're not religious or anymore i kind of wanted to hear some of your perspective on like maybe some of the struggles that you had and like how you got to what you believe now. Yeah. I mean, I will say like, I'm not generally a religious person. Neither was my family. I think a lot of it had to do with community. Um, I'm Mm -hmm. sure folks can relate. So, so to give you guys some background, my dad, um, RIP, he passed away when I was younger and Mm. before he passed, he was never really a religious person, but as soon as he was diagnosed with cancer, he found God, you know, he was very religious. And for the rest of his days, he dedicated his life really studying and like being a part of, you know, the mission, all that other kind of stuff. And also found a sense of purpose through God and a a community of other like cancer patients or what have you in that religious space. So there's that purpose. There's, there's my dad. Then my mom, my mom's side of the family, Chinese Buddhists, she also growing up in the Bible Belt because she graduated from high school in Dallas. She went to high school here, found community in church. And because we were never like explicitly religious, like you need to do this or God, you know, you'll go to hell. Like 
you know, like a very structured religious setting. It was kind of this like amorphous spirituality that like floated around me, but that I could never really express. So that's mm. kind of the context, Chinese, Asian Buddhism, pretty much Chinese Buddhism and, and Christianity in the South. But I will say for me specifically, I was really Christian when I was younger. I used to have like a Bible study because I wanted to fit in with a Korean church. That's mm. what I had chose when I was younger. This was during a time where I think my self-loathing was at its peak. I used to be like, God hates fags, even though I'm pretty sure I knew I was gay from like a very young age. My pastor actually was pretty conservative in the church that I went to was very, very conservative. He did a sermon once on how like listening to rap and listening to rock was inherently sinful. Um, not that the content itself was sinful, but that the act of listening and being a part of it was sinful. It's like a very, very conservative background. And I think what changed was education is one. I think that helps like being educated on the history of religion and how it impacts different people. But then also like in the process of building my own confidence, my journey of self-love, mm. holding on to and forming like the core pillars morally and ethically of who I am have helped me to understand like what parts of religion that I really appreciated and what parts I don't. So I'm not sure if I believe if I'm, I would identify as a hardcore Christian right now, because I will say like, who knows? I'm at the point where I'm like, I, I grew up with God. So it's difficult to say that God doesn't exist. My relationship with God is very complicated because I'm, I don't relate to him in the ways that traditional Christianity offers that relationship anymore. I don't go to church to feel connected to God. Those old structural things represent the sort of like self-loathing that mm -hmm. I was confined to because I grew up in such a, it was like, it wasn't just like, it was like Baptist Christianity, you know what I mean? In the South, Southern Baptist. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. but knowing now and like loving myself as a lesbian, I can say like, no, God made me. If, if we were to say like God is this all, not all purpose, like all purpose flower, but is this like all powerful being and this perfect being and he created each and every one of us. And I know that I'm gay and it's not something that I choose obviously because there's a lot of pain that mm -hmm. comes with living out as a lesbian, right? Um, then why would he create me? And I, I love who I am and I know God loves me if there is one because he made me who I am. And as it relates to those structural sort of things, I think we talked about this last time, if God is a perfect being, then an imperfect being's interpretation of that perfect being's uh, word, what have you, i.e. the Bible, is going to be imperfect, period. Hmm. I will say in terms of religion and my relationship with religion and how I've seen, I've seen it give people purpose I've seen religion give people hope. I've seen religion give people community. And I think um, just understanding how shitty humanity can be and how violent and vile we are <laughs> and selfish sometimes. I think the idea even of a God is extremely necessary because human beings ain't shit. We need an idea of something that is like a tier above us to keep ourselves in check, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think I could go back to like the church. I don't think I could go back to even Buddhism, even though my family still practices, you know, like the incense where you have like the fruit for your ancestors and you put that, like, I still do that because it's almost like a cultural routine. Right. And I don't know if I believe it or not, to be honest, like I haven't sat there and thought about whether or not my ancestors are floating around watching over me. 
um, in the same way that I haven't thought about is God watching over me. But I, I mean, I hope there is a God because I think one that we need one as human beings. And two, I do hope, I hope that there is a God and I hope that our God is kind and loving because God can also just in terms of human history seem really uncaring and savage. Um, mm-hmm. So I hope that our God is good if there is one. I, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's how I feel about it. <laughs> no, yeah, I just kind of wanted to hear some of your thoughts and mm-hmm. like um, how everything kind of culminates into your current perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you brought up a lot of interesting points, but I think just to relate, um, there's we've like talked about this on our podcast too, about like um, people who have been like hurt by the church. Mm-hmm. um and then like kind of like the differences between like organized corporate religion and then like spirituality but i i for one um just think that with spirituality aside from organized religion it's like a very personal relationship between you and god you know whether right. you believe there is one or not so i think you brought up a lot of interesting points there um yeah. but do you think that you know your relationship with god um do you think that serves as like any kind of inspiration towards your music at all? Like, do you think it, it affects your creative process? I don't think religion itself or like my spirituality acts as any sort of inspiration necessarily for my music, but I do think it guides my sense of, my sense of purpose. I think it guides my sense of, of the larger understanding of what I hope exists beyond like the physical universe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, I will say I don't think religion is necessarily necessarily instills integrity and morality within human beings. I think we can still derive those things for ourselves, but I do think that it instills this sense of like meaning beyond what we can dictate for ourselves. Do you know what I mean? Like human being, like we as human beings can create our own meaning. Like like I can choose to make music and be like, oh, that is my purpose. But like outside of that, if I didn't choose to create meaning for myself, like do I inherently have meaning? And that nothingness can be pretty terrifying. So I think that when you realize that like God is there, it can give you this sense of like, oh no, like even if I feel like my life doesn't have meaning, there's something out there gives me meaning and like is meaningful, thinks I'm meaningful even if I don't. I want to I want to bring up something because I, I think this is an interesting topic and I get the feeling that you can you can talk about it you know and mm-hmm. um, because one to give you a little context I'm studying grad school to become mm-hmm. a pastor so oh what I, congrats yeah dude. thank you so I this is a I have a little bit of a unique story because I was an atheist until I was 18. And then I mm-hmm. also grew up in a Christian household. And then I, I had like a radical conversion experience. And that was like, to count how old I am, that was like eight years ago, seven years, mm-hmm. ago, nine years ago. So I, I've had a lot of um, internal turmoil and struggle with reconciling, you know, like, what are these conservative beliefs that I have been taught that are very difficult to digest? And what do I intuitively feel is good Mm -hmm. and true and I see in the world. And one of the points that I think of is, is this idea of pluralistic ethics and morality, which Mm -hmm. is pretty much like when you don't have an overarching sense of objective morality, 
then the pluralistic approach is that everybody has their own idea of what is right and wrong. Exactly. And then it's just a matter of like finding how it all works and stuff. Yeah. And, and I, I was always conflicted because I think that even with my beliefs, I have very strong convictions with my beliefs with like, I wouldn't say I'm like incredibly conservative. I would say I kind of like teeter totter between, you know, cause I think that's what truth is, you know, it's not right. one extreme. And, but whenever I would talk with people that I would disagree with, or, you know, like just come across things that challenged me, it's difficult because they always have pieces of truth in them that you see that are like, that's really compelling though. I feel like, I feel like that's like true, you know? Yeah. So, so I, where I wanted to go with this is at least for me, the way that I view God is almost like a litmus test. And mm -hmm. it's like, if he really is like this sense of objective morality, then everything that is good and perfect or whatever in the world should align with what he says is good and true, which will mm -hmm. vary to a degree with everybody's different perspectives. Right. And that, that is how I think that we decide like from that perspective, what is like priority or what is the higher truth right. or whatever. And, and I have one concrete example to illustrate this because if you, I don't, I don't know if you know, or you've, you heard about it, but, um, Botham Sheen, he was, um, he was a guy in Dallas that was like at the very end of all of this police brutality stuff that was like initiated with like Trayvon Martin and, and like all this stuff. And Botham Sheen, I believe was like 2017, like the end of 2017. And the story was, he was like the the perfect, and I, I mean this in like not in a morbid way, but the perfect example of like terrible police misconduct. And mm. so what happened was, is he he's just a black dude in his own apartment, like chilling in his apartment. And then a white police officer, a white woman police officer comes home one day and then busts open the door. And then the black dude's like, what the heck? And then she shoots him in his own apartment. And the, like, yeah, yeah. the the rationale afterwards was she said that, oh, I thought I was going to my apartment and I thought it was an intruder. So I shot him. Yeah. And and the then fuck? like, yeah, I, so, actually, I do remember this. Yeah. yeah so so that. annoying. Yeah. That's so annoying. Yeah. Right. How, so only. OK, I'm just going to say and you can keep this in there, too. Only a white <laughs> person would do that. Seriously, because of the way like shit is just set up like that's just. I'm sorry. What, what does this have to do with God? I'm sorry. That's infuriating. That's infuriating. Like, who the fuck? You, you go into somebody's house and you think it's yours and you shoot them, bitch. <laughs> Your bitch. emotions actually perfectly tie in with what I'm talking about. Yeah. Because so what happened was all of that stuff culminated into a trial. And thankfully, you know, thank God that these things are actually hitting trial now. So it, it got to the point where there was a sentencing and then I believe like she got maybe like a couple years of like prison or something, which obviously is not nearly enough because you literally just killed a man in cold blood in his own apartment. But it was something, you know, it was at least some progress. Right. And, but the thing was, the, the main thing that I'm talking about here is that Botham Sheen and his family were incredibly religious. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know exactly mm -hmm. what their, what their like exact like profession or whatever, what they were doing, but I believe it was his brother who was present in the courtroom. And then after all this was said and done, he gave her a hug and said something like, you know, like pretty much of a gesture of like, you know, like, oh, it's okay. Like we forgive you. And I remember, I remember 
when I saw that as a Christian, I was like, holy crap, I cannot believe you did that because I can't, I don't even know if I would be powerful enough to like hug the person who murdered my brother in cold blood. But I had this, like, I had this mindset in my head that like, he did the right thing. It was really hard, you know, but he forgave even when that person didn't deserve it. And that's a beautiful act of love. And then I went to my social media and keep in mind, I'm heavily integrated in like the black Dallas hip hop community and stuff. I worked with a lot of them. I still do. And there was a lot of outrage on that. People were like, yo, like that is a disgrace. Like, I can't believe you did that. Like, Mm. it was such like, 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 how could you, how could you hug her and like completely just dismiss all of the struggle that we've had collectively for decades trying to get justice and retribution for our 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 like mis mistreat our people yeah. exactly yeah. yeah and I I was so conflicted because I was like I feel that you know like there's so much truth there and you know what is like the higher form of truth like what am I supposed to believe and ultimately what side am I supposed to take yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> and like kind of what I I decided you know like yeah. I concluded for me with my internal struggle was that what Botham Sheen's brother did was like the highest form because that was the most christ-like thing he could have done exactly but that doesn't but that doesn't invalidate the feelings and the raw acts of like injustice that happened there but you know on on another note i think that you know god pays all that stuff back what you were talking about earlier too is cool like i can't speak for that dude i mean obviously too like you know this as a minority you're constantly having to fight for the team, but also battle your own personal choices. Like his personal choice was his personal choice. And you're right, I don't think it invalidates any of that anger, but I guess back to what you're talking about in terms of religion and what people do with it personally, and that morality can be so idiosyncratic because one person can like eat somebody and be like, like, that's cool with me, so it must be cool. No, there has to, and that's what I mean by like, human beings are not shit. Like one person could be good, but another person can give into their devil, if you will. If we think about like Chinese shit, like yin and yang, there's yin and yang to everything. Individually, we have both God and the devil in us. Do you know what I mean? We have the capacity to be either really good and compassionate and loving and kind and forgiving, or we have the capacity to be fucking shitty as fuck. So like, it just depends on what you choose. All right, Um, so let me ask this yeah if uh because i think that we can we can make the we we can make the analogy or like the we can talk about stuff like murder and stuff like eating i I think that eating babies like most people would be like that's not cool yeah yeah but i want to challenge you on this and i mean this in the most loving way because i i'd like to talk with you about it yeah what if what if god wasn't okay with you being gay what if that i mean it's like sure but morality or whatever no, for sure. But again, who who's to fucking say that? Are you gonna tell me that God said who's gonna tell me what God feels? Who 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 is going to tell me what God feels? And that's the problem with humanity. And that's why I understand that there's a need for this, like the Ten Commandments, right? This it because it's to essentially prevent human beings um from destroying themselves, right? And to prevent the worst in humanity from like um or incentivizing the worst in humanity right i i totally get it but at the same time the interpretation of god's word will always be imperfect are we really going to focus on the fact that i like pussy or are we going to fucking focus on the fact that we should love our neighbors and protect the poor like what's really more important 
the fact that I'm like, that I like girls um, or the fact that we need to do something about, about poverty, which is immoral, that we should do something about war, which is like grotesque and disgusting, that we should do something about, um, I don't know, murder in the street, people steal, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we have to decide for ourselves, like what is the priority in, in terms of what we want to tackle as a society, um, as a community and as an individual, like, am I gonna sit here or is anyone gonna sit here as a Christian person trying to fight against gay marriage and prevent people from getting married? Or are you gonna try to fight against poverty, which is really like, in my opinion, big ass deal. So you're right, like who knows, maybe God doesn't fuck with me. I don't fucking know, but no one can tell me for sure whether or not he does or not. Paul told me, but Paul, the apostle Paul was problematic as fuck. He wrote a bunch of shit in there that was like really messed up, talking about stoning women and shit. Are we going to validate an imperfect presentation of God's word? even if they were like chosen uh, prophets and stuff like that. And I'm not, I'm not saying that any of the stuff that they wrote was completely invalid, but we have to take that shit with a grain of salt because we're human beings at the end of the day, there has to be some sort of misinterpretation. And on top of that, like if we just breathe and take a step back, is the moral priority to get rid of all the gays and the homosexuals or is the moral priority to like Jesus did, love his neighbor, protect the poor, uh jesus did a bunch of shit i mean i'm not sure about walking on water i don't know if we can do that but like what he did for people was forgive them protect those who couldn't protect themselves made people feel loved even if people didn't love them or they didn't even love themselves Hmm. so you're right maybe but i'm not gonna I'm not going to focus on the on the slight chance that God doesn't fuck with me on a topic that, in my opinion, is not necessarily doing significant harm to people. If anything, the fact that people feel so much pressure to stay closeted is so much more harmful and damaging than me getting a wife or something of like that, and per- mm-hmm. perhaps adopting a child that mm-hmm. doesn't have a parent somewhere. We can argue back and forth maybe about that, too, because I know their perspectives or different opinions on perhaps how children should be raised or whatever. I think there are more significant problems humanity faces that God will be like, y'all need to fix this shit before you like, before God's like, y'all need to focus on the gays. Hmm. Well, so. I will say, you know, God, God loves you and me. I know you were throwing it out there. From my perspective, I mean, I, we covered a lot just on the topic of religion here. Um, yeah. And there are things like I agree with and disagree with, but I think just mm-hmm. as a baseline, I can respect like how you, you take your stance on that. And um, you know, like Thanks. regardless of what we like agree or disagree, I think the bottom line, I think you hit the nail on the head with like, like we're all human beings. Right. And yeah. there are like, everyone is going to focus on, or everyone is going to emphasize different issues that, it, that resonates most deeply with them. with them on a personal level. And whether that's like, if you feel strongly about, being against homosexuality then that's what you're going to think is like a bigger sin in your eyes but if you're really passionate about like ending poverty on the streets then that kind of take like is an overarching issue above above homosexuality so i think yeah that's just kind of my conclusion there (laughs) i I, I know i know i'm not i'm not religiously like very well read either like i just know like from what i heard in sermons and stuff so you guys are way especially if you're studying to be a pastor you know what i mean so i'm sure there's some things i said that don't make sense yeah, um, but, but I, just, I really wanted to hear what you had to say. And I think that 
at least the main takeaway that I get from it. And one thing that I've been meditating on a lot is if you, whether or not you like believe or don't believe in like the validity of gay marriage or like think people are, can be gay or whatever, Mm -hmm. it all depends on whether or not that belief affects your ability to love that person. And if it does, then you really need to check yourself. And I think that's really what people are missing is like, at least, you know, I think at least like in our conservative circles, there are so many people that have such a narrow minded perspective on homosexuality. And like, like David said, like, they'll, they'll put it on a higher pedestal than the ones that they struggle with. Cause like, like I'm straight and I've never really, I've never struggled with like being homosexual. So I don't relate with it, but I will but I, I can say like, oh, I've struggled with like, I used to like steal a lot. And I used to like, right. do, I had my own vices, you know, right. and I think mm-hmm. that it's human tendency to elevate the things that you don't struggle with or are right. a part of. And then you're like, oh, that's terrible. You know, like, why don't you just stop mm-hmm. doing that? But yours right. are like, you know, fine, you know, but it's just right. a matter of whether or not those things prevent you from like loving those people if you right. only just kind of 100% yeah and and loving and forgiving yourself I think one of the things that got like if we talk about like Jesus's path mm-hmm. and like despite all the bullshit right and so religion is uh, is really tricky because it can oftentimes also validate the worst in people and give them an excuse to hate right which is totally mm-hmm. opposite obviously of what God is about hopefully like the whole point is to like you know what I mean like the whole point yeah. is to like the whole point is to love and forgive yeah and I it's difficult for human beings to do for sure and I'm like I'm mm-hmm. not perfect like, I still like I don't fuck with some people you know what I mean and it, yeah. but it's just like are you really gonna focus in on that part those holes those gaps in the Bible um that do incite hate or mm-hmm. are you really going to try and like again on the flip like interpret it in a way where you promote like self-love like loving yourself loving other people loving your community it it sounds basic and cheesy and like corny as fuck but it's true like you're really gonna like sit there and like be a hater or are you gonna just support yourself and the people around you being a human being means that you will experience perpetual loneliness perpetual confusion um just like self-hate like no one hates ourselves more than ourselves at least for me like no one hates me more than (laughs) me you know like And so like, that's already enough to deal with. I hate that feeling, but am I going to channel that hate towards other people? Or am I just going to try and work through that feeling instead of like making it a tangible, like, I'm going to put this feeling to that person Mm -hmm. and just like attack that person because I hate that feeling. Or am I just going to like internalize it, work through the feeling and then try and convert it into something positive? Do you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, I think your perspective, um, and this might sound blasphemous because I'm Christian, like I, I think I appreciate <laughs> your perspective um, a lot because I think just a lot of people that I've gone to church with um, just in my life have never really asked themselves those kind of pressing questions. And I think in order to be a true Christian, again, this is just my opinion. Maybe it's biblical, maybe it's not. Josh, you can tell me offline. <laughs> but like, <laughs> like, I'm, like I'm the yeah. you are, you're, you're the pastor. You're the, you're the pastor. I, you're I the just pastor. think... Like, I just think in order to really be like a true Christian or a true mm-hmm. believer of any religion, you need to answer those questions for yourself. Mm-hmm. And you need to raise that own self-awareness before you can truly say you're a follower of X, Y, Z. So, mm-hmm. um, but my second point is, I think uh, like this whole conversation embodies like the philosophy of what our podcast was built on, like be like water. 
And I think <laughs> I just I think we just reached the peak of the sound of water. Like that yeah, was, uh, I just got I that could, feeling. I gotta, I gotta say, you were you were kind of our guinea pig because I felt like you could take it because a lot of our like I don't know, I think that a lot of our previous episodes, you know, like we have um we haven't really butt heads, you know, in a respectful way, you know. Yeah. And I think that the whole point of our podcast of being like water is to actively engage with people who believe different things than we do and I think that obviously we agree on a lot of different things like I think that was probably two-thirds of the podcast but I personally and I'm sure David too like I wanted to I wanted to I wanted to push you a little bit because I want to know why you believe what you believe and I I want to like I want to get to know it and like I've learned things from things that you've said and I've been personally challenged by things that you said because like when you were like yo like maybe we should stop focusing so much on like whether or not I like woman and maybe we should like fix global poverty. And I was like, yeah. I was like, all right, then. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to no, run I mean, this back so many times. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, no, I mean, I appreciate it too. Like I seriously, seriously appreciate it too. Cause like, yeah. I know I haven't been thrown in the ringer with religious folks, especially two Korean men who are like, honestly, not the bane of my existence but a majority Mm. of my child a majority of my childhood trauma you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and so the fact that you guys were even willing to talk to me and challenge me and listen to me and i also learned a lot from you guys too is just fucking sick i think what you guys are doing is dope and this conversation was fun yeah well what you're doing is dope too no for real and i think like the fact that um like i i think personally speaking like i'm proud that like as a christian i and I'm not like trying to toot my own horn, but it's like, I, I'm not afraid to have these conversations with people who have different beliefs. Yeah. And I think approaching it with an open mind or like not being able to approach it with an open mind kind of gives Christians a bad rep. And I think mm-hmm. that kind of bothers me, which is why I was saying, I appreciate the questions that you're like raising through your points. Because mm-hmm. again, like if as Christians, we cannot defend those points to ourselves with our own beliefs, then like, how can we truly say that we like deep down believe like what we read in the Bible and stuff, you know? So right. like, I think, um, yeah, that, that was my point. I think that was, sick. no, that, no, that, that was sick too. Yeah. Oh, that you guys flatter me. Like, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I was able to bring that to the table. Cause no, I, you I brought think, that energy. Yeah. That, that vibe. Yeah. No, but I, religion is important. And it's, I think what you guys are doing is super fucking dope. Again, I'll say it a thousand times. Um, and like um i'm sure as you're studying to become a pastor and all this other stuff like you're gonna be essentially giving people your own interpretation not just for your own sake but for theirs of like what god's word is and should be and all this other stuff so i think it makes sense why you guys are talking about this stuff because it is really Mm -hmm. important to a bunch of people like people like my dad they needed god like not just in terms of like a like from a God standpoint, like you need to believe in me or you're going to go to hell, but it gave him purpose. Like it gave Mm. him a sense of, right. It gave, he knew he was going to die. And this is what he chose to do with the rest of his days because he literally gave him meaning and a sense of um, holiness, you know? So Mm. it is really important and it helps people. It also makes people very vicious, Um, but that's just the nature of human beings. (laughs) So that's biblical too. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. But, (laughs) It, it's not so, yeah i mean it seems like you guys are deciding uh to do with it and i'm i'm with you guys so yeah for sure 
Well, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on, Jackie mm-hmm. Faye. It has been great, great talking with you. Thank you so much for your kind words for us. And I want to spit it right back at you. Like, I think you're doing really dope stuff. David, too, I'm sure definitely agrees. And Mm -hmm. I'm excited for what you got. I think that I... I trust dumbfounded, you know, like I, trust, <laughs> like, like you, you got something special. So yeah. I'll definitely be watching you and supporting yeah. you. And, um, before we end, I would like you to just, uh, any closing thoughts that you have and then like anything you might want to plug or, or just like end with, go for it. Um, Floor okay. is yours. I just dropped a single Jackie Faye adventures. Go check it out. Um, it's a banger. There's a lot of layers to it. If you guys liked watching Jackie Chan Adventures um, as a kid, Saturday morning cartoons, WB33, check it out. And also just thank you for having me on. I don't know if you resonated with anything that I said, but if you did, check me out, shoot me a note. And also, I hope this just got you through some bullshit in this pandemic. I don't know, but much love. I'm sending you guys love wherever you guys are listening. Word. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening in to another episode of the Sound of Water podcast. And uh, this is Josh. Peace and out. Peace. 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 You know what? I'm about Dave to say it. Crying. I don't care that you broke your elbow. You won't go like I fight the towel up in it, bit. Catch me looking fly up on the internet. My name Jack, I copped a whip, I hopped in it. Kept my name up in your mouth and said was poppin'. I'm a stingy Chinese. Getting no fuss about these no Petty with the wetty drip J-F-A-Y-E Hater been trying to test me Hater been trying to test me You don't want no problems, no You don't want no Kogi Bitch, you stole my TV You was mad You was trying to see me But I ain't fucking with some snitch Bum bitch, fuka who kicked Then she called the institution I'm gonna walk that talk Like a boss, bitch Thick money in my pocket like it won't fit It's a miracle Asian bitch lyrical shit Drippy J got the sauce They get lost in I like girls They like me I'm with one, two, three ABG said I like girls and girls like me You more guay guay fight Get the fuck around me She like the way it hit her face then I tell her fight each other ain't got all day uh, She said what that mean, huh? Bitch, I'm delayed, ayy Fuck all day, chow got sticks like polo games My bitch look like Pokemon And she love to play them games I got paper, I got plastic Yeah, my pockets laminate I got presidents, baby And I look like Andrew Yang, ayy Jade on me like I'm Jackie Chan On my neck, I got 12 talismans Heard your music, we were not impressed Hella trash like a homeless camp Drippy JK, element, oh God Who gon' stop these China men? Young child with the yellow skin can't name someone I ain't better than I'm a goop, salute to our veterans Army suit, extra Yunnanians in my room That bird turned to a pelican, that's your boo Why she let all the fellas in, huh? She get head to let hair her, I gave her an excedrin, huh? My pocket's fat, but y'all know that already So that ain't worth mentioning, I like girls, they like me I'm with one, two, three ABG said, I like girls and girls like me You more guay guay fighty, get the fuck around me